would set our eyes and our hearts and our minds on worshiping you and knowing you more through, through the message today and through our time of worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, this week, um, I fulfilled, or I followed through on a promise I made quite a while ago to my daughter. Um, last year, we, we began talking about going camping. And, and I've been talking with her on and off about going camping for um, about a year. And, and finally, for the first time, everything fell into place, and we, and we went for, for our camping trip in the backyard. Um, I figured it was good to start out small in case something went wrong. And since you know it's me, what happened? <laughs> um, and, and so we, uh, we started out with our camping trip in the yard. I dug out our tent and set it up, and, and um, there was no rain in the forecast, and it was windy, but the wind kind of died down. And, and so we pulled the trigger and, and went out. And um, when I set up the tent, I, I have an air mattress, right? Because, because it's camping, not, you know, being a barbarian. i got to sleep on something. Um, and I, I, I put that air mattress out there, and I, I hunted around, and I have this little electric pump, and I, I filled it up, and it looked like it was holding air, and I was like, this is fantastic. And so we walked away from the tent for several hours because we went to that benefit on, on Friday, and we came back, and what do you think had happened? That air mattress was empty. Um, and I, I said, well, honey, this is a problem. We can't sleep on the ground. And... Um, so, hey, <laughs> um, so I went out to the shop and I found another air mattress and I, I brought it out and I filled it with air and um, we, we got into bed and I started reading her stories and between the first book and the second book, um, the mattress is flat. And, and actually the next morning I looked and there's about a half a dozen holes, you know, like in this, in this mattress, it's, it's awful. Um, and so I, I pulled both of these mattresses out, and I went and I got the third air mattress. We have three air mattresses, and, and I filled it up, and, and excitedly we went to bed because it's now like 1130, and, <laughs> and, and we're laying there, and I start reading the stories, and, and um, I hear the hiss. <laughs> and, and so I kind of, I thought, oh, this isn't good, but I can hear it. So I start looking around, and I find in a seam where it's leaking. And so I went inside and I, I got my wife. I said, honey, I need some super glue. And we tear the house apart. And Abby's out in the tent yelling, Dad, where are you coming back? Dad, Dad, Dad. And I think the neighbors are probably here. I mean, she's just hollering up a storm and come out. And I, I dumped a whole tube of super glue on this seam. And I, and I waited a couple of minutes and I blew, blew it back up. And, and it was a much silent, like, like hiss. It was quieter. And I thought, well, what are you going to do, right? And I, we're going to lay down, and I'm going to refill it after she falls asleep. And, and she fell asleep very quickly, and I refilled it. And it took about a half hour. I was laying there, and, and very slowly I began to dip. You know, after a bit I realized, well, my bottom's on the ground, but my feet are in the air. Um, <laughs> And, and so I refilled it, and then I went to sleep. And, and the next morning I woke up, and I am flat on the ground again, right? Only she is really asleep, and I, I thought, well, if I blow it up, I'm going to wake her up, and then I've got to deal with her from, you know, 4 a.m. until whenever Jess gets up to deal with her. Um, and so I laid there, and, and, and it was cold, and I was on the ground, and, and, and I, I'm going to say camping is awful. Um, 
Um, this week we're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this week we're going to be continuing in our in our series on the church and discipleship, and I and I'm sharing my camping story um, for a reason. A lot of times, folks have have spiritual experiences where they. Um, find that they need God or they find that they need a connection with God or they need something, you know, they, they need some sort of support or what have you, or they have like, like an experience that's, that's spiritual and deep and amazing. And, and they, they have this encounter and it's like they're filled up, right? And they, they start going through the motions of church and the motions of what we do. And very slowly that excitement and that filling up, what does it do? It hisses out and it sort of deflates. And eventually they get to a point where they're showing up, but it's more work than it's worth because they're, they're laying on the ground, not on anything else. And, and you know, they think, well, am I going to refill or am I just going to sit here and deal with it or am I going to walk away? And a lot of times folks, um, instead of refilling or instead of looking for something sustaining and ongoing, they just back up. Right, or they they just die spiritually and they go through the motions forever. Anybody done that in their lives, by the way? You know, or you're showing up and I'm here, but <laughs> but that's it. I'm I'm checking my box on the way to heaven, or I'm doing this because it's what we've always done, or because if I don't show up, my parents will give me grief about it, or if I don't, and and it becomes this process of down and up, 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 and that's not really the way that God intended our lives as believers to be. And, and so this series, we're looking at, um, at what God intended of the church and what God intended of believers. Last week, we looked at a passage in Peter, and that if you want to listen to it, if you weren't here, it's on sermons.net. No, it's not yet, but my wife is taking care of it. No, it is there. Oh, sermon.net. sermon.net. Thank you. Um, I probably have a slide for it, but oh, hey, I do have slides. I just can't control them because nothing's working today. Um, can you bump me ahead one? Um, so last week we looked at the church and God's people and ultimately like the church is kind of a conglomeration of God's people. It's not the building we meet in. It's not the sanctuary. It's not the basement. It's not the fellowship hall. It's not the walls. It's not the carpet. It's not any of that stuff. It's the people together. And what Peter tells us is that we're like spiritual stones being built into a holy house. And that holy house gives shelter to other believers. Like we comfort each other and we take care of each other. Um, and ultimately, it's all built around Jesus, who's the cornerstone. He becomes the guideline for everything that we do. So as believers, we're supposed to build our lives on what Jesus gives us, which is this cornerstone, this guideline. Um, this week, we're going to start looking at, at in depth what that means, um, what it means to be these, these stones. This, this priesthood, actually, is the other thing that Peter calls us. Um, and so uh, we're looking at John this week. This is Jesus' farewell address. Um, it's right after the Lord's Supper, and then he talks about his relationship with the Father um, repeatedly. What? Oh, yeah, you want to try and fix it? He talks about his relationship with God the Father repeatedly, um, and, and he transitions into this. Um, and if you want to follow along, or if Jess wants to bump the slide ahead one, please. Um, 15.1, and I'm in the NIV, and it's NASB up there. I'm sorry. Um, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, um, oh, in verse 2, uh, he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit, or that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Um, vines are um, a symbol that is repeatedly used in the Bible, right? Um, in the Old Testament, it is always used in a negative way uh, to describe Israel. Um, it's a part of the world that is, it's, it's, there's not a lot of growing that goes on there, right? They grow, they grow grapes, right? And the grapes are almost always fermented before they're done picking them. Um, so, you know, they drink a lot of wine. It's a very popular pastime there. Um, and, and like tending vines and raising grapes becomes something that everybody knows very well. And it's almost certainly why the scriptures use it. But in the Old Testament, what we find is um, every time the vine is used, Israel is compared to a, a branch on the vine. Right. And every time it's that um, that they're just not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, some of y'all garden. I, I think Marla is kind of the exact opposite of my gardening experience. Marla plants stuff and everything that comes out of the ground bears fruit. Right. And, and most of y'all have benefited from that. Amen. <laughs> um, I plant things and I get weeds or I get dead plants or I get, you know, like it never works out that way. And, and um, when the Old Testament talks about Israel, it's these plants that don't bear fruit. I might be able to grow a jalapeno plant, ain't going to be any peppers on it, no matter what, right? Like there is just not going to be any fruit that comes out of my plants. And, and so like what the Old Testament says is, well, look, I'm going to just go ahead and cut off these branches, Israel, and I'm going to toss you because you're not growing. You're not bearing fruit. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, when we move into the New Testament, we begin to see a more positive presentation of the analogy. Um, this like vine um, growing and bearing fruit because the failure of Israel in the Old Testament was always pointing forward to the coming of Jesus. Um, the long and short of it is, if you try to bear fruit in your life, right? And we're going to talk about what fruit means. But if you try to do great things for God in your life, but you are doing it on your own or by your own work, you will bear no fruit. Does that make sense? I have talked to folks for years who have tried as hard as they can to be good, to be perfect in front of God, to earn their way to heaven, to, to do the right thing, to overcome some sin that is like really burrowed into their lives. And the harder they try, the worse they do because you cannot do it on your own. Um, the New Testament, the shift here is this. Um, so every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Um, and of course, the ones that don't bear fruit, they get cut off and thrown away. Um, we are the branches that bear fruit, or we're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Are y'all? Um, we're designed to be righteous in right relationship with God and the people around us. And sometimes God trims us to get us there. Sometimes God will put us through difficulty in order to, like, make us into what we're meant to be. Um, and most of y'all, I'm sure, have gone through that, right? Like, where you've had some hard experience, and God has used that hard experience to make you, like, a better believer, to make you into a person who does the right thing. Um, we're going to continue. This is verse 3. Um, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So he says to his disciples, he says, listen, you guys are already clean. Pruned, the word pruned means clean or pruned, right? Like the Greek word that he uses there. And so he says, listen, you guys have already been pruned because you've heard my word. Jesus' teachings change us, right? 
Um, Jesus' teachings make us into something different. Um, they don't save us. Us following Christ and coming into a relationship with Christ is what changes us. That's what God's objective is. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you've heard my word. You know what salvation is. You know what all these things are. You are beginning to follow me, and that's cleaned you. Um, abide in me, and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, this abide in me phrase is one of two that are really important in this, okay? Um, he says, listen, your connection to me is what makes it possible for you to bear fruit. Um, if I have a, an apple tree in my yard and I cut a branch off, am I going to keep getting apples off that branch? Not at all, right? Um, vines, they understood if you went out and you chopped a chunk of vine off, that vine was not going to continue to grow grapes, right? There are some plants this works with. Apparently, it doesn't work with grapes. And he says, listen, if you're not connected, the same way as if you cut a branch off a vine, you will not accomplish anything. What does he mean by accomplish anything? Well, the fruit he's talking about is not, right? It is not your work. It is not the number of people you bring to Jesus. It is not great buildings built in the name of God. Um, it's two things specifically, or two or three things specifically. Um, first off, it's, it's right living, right? Um, when we live out the teachings of Jesus in our lives, it's righteousness. It's right relationship between us and him. It's a product of the Holy Spirit being in us, and that's fruit, Right? When you talk with your spouse or your kids and your first response isn't to throttle them because they're crazy. Um, and instead you love them and treat them the way that Jesus teaches us. That's fruit. Is it easy? Not at all, right? The reality is that turning the other cheek when somebody like slaps you around, that's hard. I figuratively speaking, right? I'm, I'm assuming your spouses aren't slapping you around. If they are, then you can come visit me. We can talk about it. Um, but, but when somebody says something nasty to you, it's a natural response to throttle them, right? To respond, to attack. Like if, you know, like that's natural in us because we're sinful. Jesus teaches us otherwise. When we manage to follow those teachings, that's fruit. Um, when we share the story of Jesus with other folks, not that we bring a lot of people to Jesus, but when we talk about our experience with Christ and how God has worked in our lives and how God has saved us from the worst things that we can possibly be, that is fruit. Um, fruit is, is literally the act of living out what we're meant to be. Um, and I think this is what Marla does right in gardening that I don't. I think Marla is really good at getting plants to grow up the way they're supposed to grow up and bear fruit the way they're supposed to bear fruit, whereas I'm terrible at it because I don't tend to it, and I let weeds choke it out, and I've got a black thumb apparently because, yeah. Um, and so in order for us to be right, we have to abide in him. What does that mean? Well, it means following him. It means being in relationship with him. It means studying his word. It means praying. It means being in community with other believers, right? Um, C.S. Lewis was talking to a, a fellow once where the guy said, well, wait a minute, can I be a Christian and not go to church? And Lewis doesn't answer him. He reaches into the fireplace and pulls out a coal, and he drops it on the hearth, and he says, what's that coal look like? He says, it's bright red and it's hot. And they continue talking, and about 40 minutes later, he points at the coal again, and he says, what's going on with the coal? Well, it's, it's gotten cold. It's black. Um, the same is the truth of believers. We nourish, right? We fill up. 
we grow spiritually because we're connected to the body. Um, the same way that a coal stays hot because it sits in the fire. The same way that a, a branch off of a vine bears fruit because it's being fed by the rest of the vine. Um, when you cut it off, that stops. The role of the church for the Christian is feeding us towards spiritual growth. Um, feeding us toward maturity as believers. Um, sometimes that means meeting our needs. Sometimes it means challenging us to meet each other's needs, right? Um, we're going to go on here. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, if I cut the branch off, again, there's a little bit of repetition here, but this is stylistically very common for rabbis. If I cut the, if I cut the branch off, is it going to continue to bear fruit? No. We are called to abide in him and him in us. Well, he abides in us through the Holy Spirit, right? Like Jesus isn't hanging out in the room with us personally, but as believers, we're filled with the Spirit. And that Spirit in us um, drives us, right? Now, you can ignore the Spirit. I, I went through a phase in my life where I knew I was doing wrong things, and I did my best to ignore it. Anybody ever done that? You're like, oh, shouldn't be doing this. And you think, well... I'm sure God's cool with it. And, and your conscience very slowly shifts. And you go from this place where it's like, ooh, I know what God wants me to do, but I don't want to. And eventually you end up as a, in a spot where you're like, well, God's probably cool with it. I don't even think about it anymore. Right? I used to talk to um, young men who were arrested for stealing and stuff like that. And I would ask them, the first time you stole something, how'd you feel? Guilty. Right? Ashamed. I felt like I let my parents down. I felt like I had done this horrible thing. And the next question is, the hundredth time you stole something, how'd you feel? I didn't. Um, what that is, is it's hardening our hearts so when the Spirit speaks, we don't listen. And we can create that condition in ourselves where we literally just sort of like separate away. And we don't feel connected. We don't feel anything. Again, so the Spirit will speak, but we don't hear. Um, Part of the process of being in him is focusing on those teachings and praying about our own behavior and bringing our confessions before God because ultimately that's what softens our heart again and enables us to like, like be fed from the Spirit. We're going to continue here. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Um, there are kind of two elements to this. It's traditionally read as a, like, if you're just not going to abide in, in Christ, ultimately, like, you face God's wrath, right? And that's sort of the immediate obvious reading. And there's truth in that. Like, we are saved from our wickedness because we're in Christ, right? It's not like, oh, well, I was good enough and so I go to heaven. What the Bible teaches is we have to be in Christ. Um, we receive forgiveness and grace through our relationship with Christ. And, and that's how it happens, Apart from Jesus, there's no way to God. Like, our forgiveness is purely through his death on the cross for us. Um, God doesn't just ignore what we do, but, like, if we back up and we say, well, I'm going to do it on my own, ultimately, ultimately we end up dead and dry. I've got um, a bag in my backyard full of apple wood, right, that the Durgas brought me because they had a, I think it was a storm, that knocked branches off of an apple tree, and they gathered up those branches and stuck them in a bag. And, and they brought them to me, and I put them in my smoker, right? 
there are things I can use wood for once it's been cut off a tree. Like y'all are sitting on cha- or, you know pews that are made of wood. You know the roof is mostly made out of wood, right? Like wood is a very useful thing once it's cut away. Vines, you cut the part, of, you cut parts off a vine. How much use is it? Can you build a house out of broken vines? No. Once it dries up, can you like knead it together and make rope? Probably not because it gets very brittle. Ultimately, the second meaning of this and what Jesus is putting out there is your usefulness before God is a product of his indwelling in you. If you decide to back up, like God's use of you begins to disappear. Um, there, uh, I, I was reading this week about a, a pastor in northern Indiana is a mega church pastor, like huge thousands of people go to this guy's church. And very slowly, his pride began to get him to a point where he began to think, I am the guy doing all this. Aren't I awesome? And suddenly, like God's involvement and God's, you know, like the fact that God had blessed him with this ministry that was productive began to ebb away and he began to look at himself. Well, can you grow spiritually if your eyes are focused purely on how awesome you are? You can't because that's not abiding in Christ. It's abiding in yourself, ultimately. And, and in the end, he ends up doing some terrible stuff that destroys his life, destroys his family, destroys his church, and actually destroys the lives of some of the people that he had like regular contact with. Um, that's a uselessness that's a product of detachment from Christ. Um, our spiritual life is a product of being connected. Um, and it's something that believers have to constantly be on top of. Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, I used to talk to, to these guys who were like alcoholics and they'd be in jail. And they'd say, well, I pray all the time and God doesn't answer any of my prayers. And I said, well, what are you praying for? Well, I pray that I could go out and get high again. <laughs> of course. <laughs> would, would God, you know, well, and, and he never answers that prayer, right? Well, that's certainly a decision, but like ultimately if I'm like Abby will sometimes ask me for things that I don't agree with. Right? Anybody with children understand this? You know, like a child Abby will come to me first thing in the morning, it's eight AM and the first thing she asks me every morning, every morning, can I have some candy? What do I say? No. <laughs> Oh, she asked for ice cream this morning. I don't know what got into her head. She came to me and said, can I have ice cream? And I said, no. And, and you know, like, you, let's apply this. Well, she asks for stuff. I love my daughter. When she asks for things, I take care of her, right? Would giving her ice cream take care of her? Not really, right? Um, ultimately, when he says, my words abide in you, This is about learning to be Christ-like and learning to conform our will so it matches his. When Abby asks me for something that matches my will, uh, it's times ten, right? We're going to camp, apparently, at at Jeff's house, right? Um, And and Jeff is awesome because he's going to let us do that. Um, I'm sure he'll only let us do it once (laughs) because – and it's all Abby. Um, (laughs) But, but she asked me the next morning, she says, that was awesome. I had so much fun camping with you. Can we do it again? And for me, my will in relation to my daughter is I want to have a good relationship with her, right? And camping with her is building relationship with her. And so I said, absolutely, we can do it again. And we will. And we'll probably do it a half a dozen or a dozen times through the year. 
um, because I want, you know, like this is what I want. And when she asks in harmony with, with my will, I'm going to bless her, right? The same is true of God. When we are in his will, our prayer is powerful because we're asking for things that he's willing to respond to. If you ask for things outside of his will, which is a product of not being discipled, right, um, he's just not that inclined to give you what you want. Or sometimes if he gives you what you want, it just squishes you. Anybody ever gotten that where you got what you wanted and in the end you're like, wow, I shouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> I could have gone my whole life without having that answered prayer. Um, so what he's saying here is, listen, if you are in this discipleship place, if you're growing spiritually, if you're abiding in me, if you're filling yourself with my word, you're going to change in such a way as to where when you pray, um, God will respond more readily because you're praying in harmony with what I'm giving. Um, we go on, this is verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. When we live our lives in such a way that we are his disciples, we bring Christ glory, right? Jesus himself. When I, has anybody ever met a believer, when you encounter him, you are like, praise God for that guy. You know, it's like a breath of fresh air, you know, when you're coming out of a, 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 a hot and stuffy building, or like, cold water on a, on a miserable, dry, dusty day, right? Um, that brings glory to Christ because we look at that person and say, you know what, God has done great things in their lives and they're a blessing to me. Um, whenever Christ is glorified, God the Father is glorified. Um, and so, like, when we fall into this place, we create this praise God in the world, this, wow, God is awesome in the world. But it's not a product of us being awesome and how great we are at doing what we're doing. It's a product of us becoming like Jesus and folks recognizing Jesus in us. Um, this is called discipleship, right? We're all called to do it from the very beginning. If you are a person who believes in Jesus, if you are a person who has been saved by grace from your sins, you are a disciple. Some folks hang out on the vine and never grow, right? And they're like the folks sitting on the, ma the mattress with, <laughs> with Abby. Like it's, it's like my air mattress. It just deflates. And then you've got to look for another big fill-up moment. And when you find it, you sit and enjoy it, and then it deflates. And ultimately, like, like this is where we end up if we, dis you know, if we fail to disciple as believers. We end up losing every good thing that comes through us because we're not growing. Um, Jess has three plants in the window of our kitchen. And we had somebody who was watching our house. I'm not going to point fingers or name names, but that person. <laughs> but that person didn't water several of those plants. <laughs> and 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 those plants have died. Are they useful anymore? Not really. They're just dead plants sitting in the window now, right? Um, their usefulness was contingent on their being alive. So no matter how good of a job Jess did keeping them alive for the first, like, month we had them, after that point, it didn't matter. They're dead, right? They're just dead. There's nothing good coming out of those plants anymore. Thanks, Michael. Um, <laughs> and our dogs did survive. And, you know, to be fair, if I had been doing it, I wouldn't have watered the plants either. Um <laughs> Uh, 9 to 10. All right, and this is where the shift is. The first phrase is, abide in me, right? 
Um, the second is, just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. So we are commanded as disciples, first off, to abide in him, meaning his teachings, like following him. Um, focusing on him, devoting our lives to him, but then abide in his love. What this is about, um, it's about literally being in relationship with him, right? It's about not abiding in his commands as a, I'll do it because otherwise I'm getting squished. It's a, I'll be in this love because I have a relationship with him, right? Um, there are times... Um, there are times in my marriage where I have done the right thing because it's what was expected of me. Anybody done that? This is what I'm supposed to do, and so I'm going to do it. I didn't do it because I had warm, fuzzy feelings. I didn't do it because I felt happy towards my family. I didn't do it because of any of those things. I did it because of what was expected of me. That's abiding in, in you, right? Like it's, I'm here in this relationship. I'm going to do what's expected of me. Abiding in your love is doing something that's a step beyond that. It's acting out of relationship. It's acting out of a desire to serve the other person because you love them. Um, that would be the days when it's like, well, I'm going to clean the whole house and scrub all the dishes and make sure the place is spotless as a surprise for my wife. You know, I'm expected to clean the house some, right? Sometimes I just don't do it. When I do it times ten, a lot of times I do it because... I want to show my wife I love her, and it's abiding in the love in our relationship. Um, when we follow Christ, we're called to abide in his commands and his teachings, which is an obey, and then abiding in his love is all about relationship. So a disciple begins with growth, right? But that growth is fueled by love. It's watered by love, and it's that relationship that we have with Christ. It's the shift we make where we used to be obey, and now we're like in relationship. Um, we're running long because we started a little late, and I'm, I'm sorry. Um, last verse. Um, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be, um, excuse me, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Uh, we talked about this at length with Philippians by John. <laughs> um, we talked about this at length in Philippians where joy is like happiness that never ends. Joy is happiness that goes on and on and on and on and on like this sermon. Um, that joy that we're filled with is a product of relationship with him. Half the church just left. Um, <laughs> that joy is a product of relationship with him. And so when it says, listen, if you abide in my love, my joy will be complete in you. There is nothing more amazing than being in that place with Christ where you recognize that no matter, no matter what, no matter how far you get lost, no matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've been with, anything, that we can always come back to that fountain of grace and be forgiven, right? And that God will continue to invest in us and will continue to grow spiritually and will continue to become better than what we were. And will continue to be people who can bring glory to God. Some of the most horrible people I've ever met are people who bring glory to God in the most amazing ways. I knew a guy... Um, he preached at our church once. It was a middle-class, like, suburban church. And this guy, um, Adrian was his name. Adrian had been a drug dealer for quite a while. And, and he had some just insane stories, like, like you would tell in sermons. And you could see everybody getting uncomfortable because it's like, wow, really? Um, he told me a story where there was another fellow I knew in town who was a minister. And he tried to murder the guy. 
walked into the house. He had made up his mind that he would shoot him. The guy walked into the house. He picked up his gun and pulled the trigger, and the gun misfired. <laughs> the guy turned around and ran away. Um, this guy was horrible, right? This is a guy that everybody who met him, like, praised God ultimately. I met atheists who would say, wow, I don't know. I don't believe in God, but I'm pretty sure that whatever he's got is what I want, right? Because he had become this completely different man, and this fellow he had tried to kill. Um, they were friends, and they would worship God together. Ultimately, the fount of grace, this joy that we have, is in the fact that like, no matter what we are, we can bring glory to God. Not because of us, but because God loves us enough to save us from ourselves. Um, the two big things, I'm gonna, this is kind of the end of what we're talking about here. I know I'm long again. Um, abide in him. What does this mean? First off, it means obeying his teaching. It means bearing fruit, meaning it, you, you put it into effect, right? If I, if I read a weight loss book and I don't do anything with it, I pretty much just read a book, right? Anybody done that? If I buy a piece of exercise equipment and I don't do anything with it, guess what? If I watch cooking shows all day and I don't change how I cook, guess what? There's no benefit. There's no fruit from it. And so it means living out what you've been taught. I love you, honey. Um, <laughs> I just got in trouble. Um, and it also means sharing the gospel, right? Um, grapes grow to spread seeds. We bear fruit. Part of what we're doing is spreading seeds. We're supposed to share, Jesus died for me. I have been some of the worst things you can imagine in my life, and Jesus died for me, and he died for you. And you can grow, and you can be new, and you can be anything that God has created you to be ultimately because Christ will redeem you. Um, abiding in his love, it means having a relationship with God and with each other. Part of how we express our relationship with God is in our relationship with the people in this room, Right? Um, it means living out his teachings. It's a repetitive one. It means worship, prayer, community, serving folks. This is what it means to live out his love. Um, my challenge for you this week, and kind of our step beyond, like if we're to be a holy house, right, a royal priesthood, it means abiding in him, and it means abiding in his love. It means growing and bearing fruit. Um, not in numbers of people we bring to Jesus, not in any of that stuff, in growing spiritually, becoming like Christ, and sharing his word. Uh, we're going to close in prayer, and, and uh, um, then we'll be done. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today and just give us your grace. Help us to serve each other. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to be true disciples and, and like commit ourselves in the direction of being like you and, and growing in intimacy with you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Have a good Sunday.